I'm excited to share that 80 Minutes Around the World Immigration Stories has a couple of live storytelling shows coming up. On Saturday, February 8th at 4 p.m., we return to Manhattan at the Caveat. If you've loved our stories on this podcast, please come out and support our storytellers as they pour their hearts out on stage. For information on tickets, please visit our Facebook page or website. And now here's episode one for season two. From the 80 Minutes Around the World Immigration Stories Storytelling Show, this is Immigration Stories with Nestor Gomez. Stories and conversations with immigrants, refugees, second, third generations, and allies, where we explore the ideas, policies, and histories that forge national identity, community, and belonging in America. We are your hosts, Angel Ling and Nestor Gomez. Nestor and I kick off season two with two funny stories told on stage. When you come to an 80 Minutes Around the World immigration story show, you'll hear not only storytellers, but also comedians, poets, and other performers share their immigration stories on our stage. In this episode, Australian-born Nate Charles Troisi and David Quach share their own versions of finding belonging in a foreign land. First, here's Nate Charles' story as told on stage for 80 Minutes Around the World, Immigration Stories, on October 12, 2019 at the Caveat in Manhattan. So when I decided to move to America after I finished drama school, something happened. Uh, I come from Australia and there's a thing we do. It's called tall poppy syndrome. There's a Wikipedia article you can look it up. But basically, if someone decides they want to do anything or try to achieve anything, the protocol there is to find them and tell them why you think it's a shit idea and it won't work out. So when I decided to move to New York, there was a line out my door of people just being like, you know that's stupid, right? You have no idea. Um, But you know what? I was so determined. I was like, fuck it. And it all came to a head because I was sitting on a plane that was about to land. The person over the speaker was like, we are now bowling at LAX. Thank you, everybody. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to land in Los Angeles. I fucking did it. I don't have a a visa or anything, but I'm sure it'll be fine. (laughs) And then I have a realization. I have a couple of realizations that are not great realizations to happen at this point. I realized because I was in a hurry packing and I wasn't thinking that there's a bag of weed in my stowaway luggage. Yeah, I promise also I'm not a degenerate. Um, (laughs) And I also realized, and I can't believe I have to say this, that I had two tabs of acid in my back pocket. These were all just bad coincidences. I'm not... I'm not drug trafficking two tabs of acid (laughs) into America. But I'm freaking out. Because now I'm like, I am on a one-way plane ride towards LAX. I'm facing customs people. I know what they're looking for. I've got it in my bag. I am freaking out. Also, I've never dealt with American customs. It's very different to Australian. Over there, we don't give a shit. The guy at the TSA thing is like, hello, Matt, get on there. You've got a bomb. Just kidding. See it. Like, we don't take it seriously. All I have to go by here is stories. And there's always someone who's like, my sister filled out the form wrong and they shot her in the head. Like, because we don't have guns, so we don't get it. Um, (laughs) Right, right. I'm very sorry for your loss, sir. Um, 
So I land, but something fortunate has happened. I've flown with Qantas, and because it's an Australian airline, they were late as shit, because they were like, I mean, we'll take off when we take off, mate. What do you want me to tell you? So when we land in New York, our transfer, I mean, when we land in LA, our transferring flight to New York is taking off. Like, they fucked the timing up that bad. So this sea of pissed off Australians is just going across LAX. All of us being like, I can't believe it. Can you believe it? This is unbelievable. Just going across LAX. So by the time we get to customs, they're like, go, go, just go, go, go. And they wave us through. And I get on my transfer flight. And I'm sitting on my flight to New York. And I'm like, oh, my God. I can't believe I got through this. This is unbelievable. Everything is so sweet. I can't believe All right, now I'm destined. Everyone back home was wrong. I'm going to land in New York. Everything is going to be great. I land in New York. I'm at the bag carousel. I'm waiting for my bag to come round. There's no bag. Everyone else is grabbing their bag. There's nothing. And then over the speaker, I hear, Nate Charles Troisick, can you come and speak to us about your bag? And I was like, oh, shit. Here we go. The dream ends here. I'm going to jail. So I go and speak to the customs person. And they tell me, that they messed up and left my bag in Los Angeles and that they're going to mail it to me tomorrow. So the airport mailed me my drugs the next day. Um, <laughs> thank you, America. Um, so I land, you know, I get to my place in New York. It's a tiny little room. It was a laundry room, I found out later, because there were taps in the wall. I tried to use them one night. They sprayed me in the face. It was a laundry. That's where I was living. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, holy shit. I live in New York now. I did it. I can't believe this. It's happening. It's real. Also, I didn't have any clothes. You know, I had to wait for my suitcase. I was like, what am I going to do? And then I was overcome with just so much anxiety because I was like, what am I going to do? I am terrified. All I had on me was two tabs of acid and the clothes that I'd been in for 16 hours. <laughs> I'm very ashamed to admit this. I'd read <laughs> a story about this thing called microdosing where you take just a small amount of acid and it helps you with anxiety. And I was like, what better thing to do, right? And so I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to cut like a tiny sliver, a tiny sliver of this tab of acid. I'm going to take it. But I was ju I just in this new house where I didn't know anyone. And the only scissors I found were for like, sta like steaks. It wasn't like a paper scissors. So I, I mean, I, anyway, I cut too much. I just ended up taking acid that day. It was a bad idea, right? And then my bag shows up. The guy delivers it. And I'm just, I come out to greet him. I'm like, oh my God, you brought me my bag. This is the best country. Do you know that? And he's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, do I tip you? I don't know. I'm foreign here. Take some money. Thank you. Thank you. And I go inside. I'm just looking at all my, my clothes and I'm like, what do I wear now that I'm in New York? What do I do? Oh, my God. And I would put clothes on and go to the bathroom and brush my teeth. And then I'd go and put different clothes on and go to the bathroom and brush my teeth. And then I'd put some different clothes on and brush my teeth and try some clothes on and brush my teeth. And this went on and on and on. And my friend Bridget, who lives here, who's also an Australian, message me, messages me. And she's like, meet me at W4. And I'm like, what the fuck is W4? Like, is this whole city on a grid? Do I need to work it out like that? I figured out it was West Forth. Um, <laughs> but also, at that point in time, I lived on the G. So I had to do a transfer. Can you, I mean, then you sit, the subway's hard. This is the first time I've ever ridden the subway. So I'm just like, oh my God, there's a maze. It's really confusing. But I step out into the day and I'm like, I'm going to feel good. I put on some Bobby Womack. I'm listening to it. I'm like, I get it now, Bobby, now that I live here, 100%. Um, totally understand what you're going on about. Um, I get on the G, 
And I'm like, I don't know what everyone's talking This is not a rough city. Everyone's really cool. Everyone's like making space for me. It's really nice. Um, I'm, really enjo- I'm really enjoying Bobby. I'm like, yeah, Bobby, you get it. Yes, Bobby. Yeah, 100%. You know, and I swear to God this happened. The G pulls up to Hoyt Skemmerhorn and I'm like, here comes the transfer. You can do this, mate. I believe in you. And the timing worked out that I swear to God, just as the G was rolling up, so did an A. And the doors opened and I just, wa- I didn't even break my stride. I just walked across the platform and then stood on the A and I was like, I did it. Safe transfer, killing it. Back to Bobby Womack. I get to West Forth. I'm like, oh my God, I made it. I've arrived. I belong here. No problem. I go up the stairs. I meet my friend Bridget. I'm like, Bridget, I did it. I made it to W4. Isn't this great? And she says to me, your face is covered in toothpaste. Just covered. And I realize... I just had toothpaste all over my face. And she's also, she also says, also, it's 95 degrees. Why are you wearing a leather jacket? So <laughs> the, whole t- the reason people were making space for me is because I was sweating. I had toothpaste all over my mouth. And I was saying, yes, Bobby, yes, Bobby, and air drumming the whole ride over. She doesn't know I'm high, so she's trying to help. She's, like, showing me things around New York. She's like, hey, you know that all that stuff that you've only seen on television? Here it is in real life. And I'm like, this is too much. I can't deal with this. I'm going crazy. This is so, so much to deal with. I bump into a guy. He says to me, hey, man, do you like hip-hop? And I look him in the eyes, and I say, I love hip-hop. And he says, never mind, and walks away. So... There's a little tip on how to get away from buying mixed CDs. Just be really, really into hip-hop. Finally, I managed to convince Bridget to leave me alone without telling her that I've made a huge mistake and I'm on drugs trying to enjoy a foreign city, which apparently is where I'm going to live for the rest of my life. I managed to get home and I'm lying in bed that night just being like, oh my God, that was my first day in New York. But then I realized, I mean, like, I've embarrassed myself so thoroughly that it's only up from here. And I have spent (laughs) the last four years embarrassing myself further, wherever I can. So thank you very much for your time. Nate Charles Troisi is an award-winning actor, writer, and director, originally from Melbourne, Australia, and now based in New York City. He's written and directed films and plays as part of the Australian sketch group Middle Brow and even released an album as 50% of the Australian hip-hop group Artie Buko. He was recently featured as a voice actor on Cartoonist's upcoming series Doctor Who and has just performed his solo show Take Care to sold-out crowds in Australia. Here's David's story told on stage for 80 Minutes Around the World Immigration Stories on August 8, 2019 at Chicago's Steppenwolf Theatre. So when I was three, my cousin had a birthday party. And when it was cake time, instead of bringing out a sponge cake that was normal in Australia where I grew up, his sister brought out an ice cream cake. I was so excited that as soon as I could, I grabbed a slice of the cake and I put a spoonful in my mouth. And the vanilla ice cream melted on my tongue. And then I munched on chocolate cookie crumbs. It was the most delicious thing I had ever tasted in my whole three years of life. (laughs) And from that moment on, all I wanted for my birthday was a cookies and cream ice cream cake. 
Every birthday after that, I'd hope for that frozen treat. But birthday after birthday, all I got was disappointment. <laughs> I never got that icing cake for my birthday. Actually, I never got any cake. Because I never asked for one. My parents fled war-torn Vietnam in the 70s. We were broke. I couldn't justify asking for frozen treats. And after years without cake, I'd long forgotten about my birthday desires. But in March of last year, at a friend's birthday party, when his girlfriend brought out a cake, it was a normal cake, but for a split second, I thought it was an ice cream cake. <laughs> and I was brought back to when I was three and everything I wanted, but never got. And I, I had a realization that I'm an adult now. <laughs> And although I still haven't gotten an ice cream cake for my birthday, I can do something about it. <laughs> like, I can tell someone. So in March of last year, I had been dating Claire for three years, and we just moved into a condo in Wicker Park together. So I decided to tell her. And she said, I'm getting you ice cream cake for your birthday this September. And I thought to myself, wow. What an amazing woman! <laughs> but then last summer, we started having some problems. And on August 15 of last year, two weeks before my birthday, she came to me in tears. And she said, I can't do this anymore. We broke up. I was devastated. But I couldn't help but think, who's going to get me ice cream cake for my birthday now? <laughs> I could get it for myself, but it just wouldn't be the same. <laughs> so I resigned myself to another birthday without ice cream cake. But then, 13 days later, one day before my birthday party, I was having dinner with my friend Michael, who's kind of like an Asian version of Don Draper. <laughs> Very cool, but completely emotionally unavailable. <laughs> And during dinner, I kept bringing up the fact that I was now single in the hopes that he would be able to provide me with some emotional support. But he wasn't giving me anything. And then to change the topic, he asked me what I wanted for my birthday. And there was something I really wanted, but I wasn't prepared to be disappointed again. So I said nothing. But he insisted. He said, no, really, what do you want for your birthday? You want a cake? And that's when I realized that maybe this is Agent Don Draper's way of being there for me. <laughs> he can't be there for me emotionally, but he can be there by giving me cake. So I decided to open up and tell him the whole story, how I've wanted ice cream cake for my birthday since I was three, how Claire, but I never got it, how Claire was going to get it for me, but then we broke up. And he said, I'm getting you ice cream cake for your birthday tomorrow. So I am getting ice cream cake for my birthday after all. So the next day at St. Louis Assembly in the West Loop at my birthday party, Asian John Draper turns up at 9.30. And I think to myself, I've been waiting for this for over 30 years. I'm going to go get it. So go over there to him. But on my way, I realize he's got nothing in his hands. And then I get there and I say hello. 
and he's got this weird look on his face. And he says, Baskin Robbins was closed, so I didn't get you a cake. Sorry. And I said, that's okay. Ice cream cake never mattered to me. But what I really meant was, you had one job! I'm never going to get ice cream cake for my birthday. So it seems like someone's trying to teach me that if I, I can't rely on others to get what I want. If I really want something, I need to go get it for myself. But that's such a sad lesson to learn. And I refuse for that to be the lesson. So... This year, my birthday is on September 2nd. And if anyone wants to get me an ice cream cake for my birthday, I'll gladly accept it. Thank you. That was Chicago-based storyteller David Crotch. David is a Moth Story Slam winner. He has performed improv at the Second City and the I.O. Theater, and is also a graduate of their improv programs. For his day job, David is a number-crunching data scientist at a financial tech company. David was born and raised in Sydney, Australia, and moved to Chicago in 2010 for graduate school. David is not the first in his family to immigrate. His grandparents moved from Guangdong province in China to Vietnam, and his parents moved from Vietnam to Australia. Immigration Stories with Nestor Gomez is a production of 80 Minutes Around the World Immigration Stories. More information on 80 Minutes Around the World Immigration Stories can be found on our website, NestorGomezStoryteller.com and the show's Facebook page. Please contact us if you have a story you want to share or would like to invite a show to your city or organization near you. Immigration Stories Podcast is created, produced by Nestor Gomez and Angel Link. Thank you for listening. Please remember to like and share.